here for a while. Again, I'd just like to thank Pastor Tron for the opportunity uh, to preach and to speak in front of all of you. And I believe I have a word from the Lord, uh, very specific. And I believe God's going to continue to do what he was doing when Brother Brown was up here and following God's spirit. God wants to heal. He wants to deliver, to deliver people, deliver us, and he wants to help us. Um, so I'm just going to open up with my scripture here, but you can remain seated. It's going to be Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Just a simple thought here, but it's very uh, impactful and powerful. Again, as Romans 10 and verse 17, and it says, So then faith, it comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the title of uh, my message this morning is Living Faith. Living Faith. So as we uh, open up with this verse here, this is very profound um, if you really think about faith in context of believing in God and serving God. We're going to read some other verses that we walk by faith. Uh, we do mostly a lot of things, if not everything, by faith. So how do we get faith? Uh, how does faith come? How does it happen? And in Romans 10, 17, it gives us a very simple answer. Faith comes by hearing. It's by what you hear. And by hearing the word of God, by hearing God's voice, by hearing the Bible, God's word to us, God's voice to us. Um, so I sort of looked into faith a little bit. Um, and uh, this one Bible is called the Interlinear Bible. So basically, this Bible takes the original text of the Hebrew or Greek, and it transliterates that. So this word in Greek means this in English. And it goes one by one by one. So it's kind of broken English when you read it, but it gives you a little more uh, information about what God is really trying to say. Uh, basically, no one tried to put the words together and make it sound nice. It's very raw. It's very bare bones. But you can learn a little more from it. So it says, faith is related to God with the conviction or the belief that God exists. And he is the creator and ruler of all things. And the provider, as we talked about, Jehovah Jireh. That literally means God is my provider and the bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. Again, this is trying to define that word faith. Faith is related to Christ with a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah or Jesus is the Savior. Through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. And so hearing that word hearing, it means the receiving of a message. Um. Or something, it's something more than just m the mere sense of hearing. It's an interaction with the word, with God's word, and a decision is always made. And so when it says faith comes by hearing, that doesn't mean just to listen to it. It means to have an interaction with God's word and then to make a decision. That's what that word hearing was defined as. And so faith comes by hearing God's word. You can hear God's word through preaching, or you can hear God's word through the Bible itself, which is God Almighty himself. And so faith comes by interacting with the word of God and making a decision. A decision has to be made. Um, God's not passive. God doesn't say, I'm going to do this, and he never follows through, or he never uh, is going to actually accomplish it. No, God is very firm. When he says he's going to do something, he is going to do it. But what kind of messes us up is that people don't follow that uh, pattern. Sometimes people will say they'll do something, and it never happens. You never hear from them. You maybe don't even see them again. 
or it just it doesn't happen. They seem like, what's going on? You said we were going to do this. You promised this thing to me. It just doesn't happen. So sometimes we take those experiences as we try to experience God and interact with him, and we try to have that same mindset, but that's not how God operates. God always backs up his word. It can take days. It can take years. It can take months for it to happen, but it's going to happen. One example is God told this man, he was really old, he said, you're going to have a child. And he was like, he was really old. He's a senior citizen. He maybe had AARP, you know, just being a little funny. He had the senior discount. Everything was wonderful. He can go get a nice cheap cup of coffee. Everything was great. You know, he's finished. He's not thinking about children. And God said, you're going to have a son. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm going to have a child? Like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm done with that. that. Those years are behind me. But God said, no, you're going to have a son because I made a promise to you. That your, gener- that your seed, your children were going to multiply on the earth and be this great and mighty nation. So you're going to have a son. You may say, that, well, that's crazy. And then his wife, she, was, she started laughing like, oh, there's no way. I'm this old lady now. It's de- I'm definitely not going to have a child. But again, God's not like a human. God will back up what he said. And sure enough, this old lady that couldn't have a child, she had a child. It took a long time. It took decades. It took a long, many years. But it happened. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. We have to hear his voice. And so in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 7, we get a little bit more understanding of how we're to live now on the earth. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And so again, that word faith is the same word here. So we walk by interacting with God's word and making a decision on that, not by what we see. So that word walk, it means to tread all around. Basically just walk all around. But another word that was used is live, to live. So that word walk can mean to live. So we live by interacting with God's word, and we make a decision on what we interacted with, not by what we see, by how things appear, by how things look like. That word sight means like a view, or that which strikes the eye, or which is exposed to the view. So basically what we see um, in this day and age of technology, how we've somehow maneuvered it and managed to use electronics and electricity and metal and wires. And now we can view things in a moment's time. You probably drive down 84 and you can see so many advertisements. They created this new thing now. We don't, we don't want just one billboard. No, we want to have a slideshow. So I can, have many bi- I can have many things you can view and see while you're driving. That's pretty clever. What I'm saying is there's many things to view on the earth. There's many things to see. There's many things to explore. There's many things to experience. But God is saying, you don't walk by what you see. That's not how you live. You don't live by what the picture looks like. You live by the words that I speak to you. That is how you are to live. That's how we're supposed to live. Because sometimes when we see, it doesn't make sense, or it can change our thinking to think and believe a lie. Like, okay, we could look at, let's say, the economy, for example, is doing a little better. But in 2008, it wasn't doing so good. People say, oh, I'm going to lose everything. The world's coming to an end. This is terrible. This is awful. But what is God saying? I say, hey, I'm going to provide for you. I know everything for you. Like Brother Brown was saving even a lily, a plant. I provide for a plant. I provide for a tiny little bird. Do you think I'm not going to provide for you? But if you're viewing what's going on and you're not listening to that voice, then you're gonna, your mind's going to be wrong. You're going to make a bad decision. You're going to be swayed the wrong way. That's not how God wants us to live, how to walk. He wants us to walk by hearing his word and following what he has said. 
And so we walk or we tread or we live by interacting with God's word and a decision being made, not by what we view or what strikes the eye. Again, this world, they, oh, they, they like to use visuals a lot. Uh, I don't know if you ever studied how people learn. Some people learn by just listening. Some people learn by writing. Some people learn by visual. They like need to see a picture. They need to see a picture and you explain something or a concept and ah, then they can get it. Uh, but this world likes to use uh, the visual or, or even sounds. Uh, as you may see people with the bling, you know, got big old diamonds or big old things. It's nice and shiny. It's visual or you got a nice car, you know. They don't make the car look terrible. They don't make it look, you know, all beat up. No, it's going to be shiny. It's going to be good paint. Those rims are going to just whoo, shine in the light. <laughs> Why? It's to get your attention. It's to capture your attention so you can go and get this thing and want this thing and desire this thing. Um, and then it goes even a little bit more intense. We can go to food, for example. Like, for example, you may think, okay, I'm a Dunkin' Donuts person or I'm a Starbucks person or, I'm, you know, I like this kind of coffee. Or you can think, okay, you have the Starbucks person? Oh, you must be a little more wealthy. You must be a little more well-off. Or you must be in the tech field or something, you know, in technology or you're a uh, software engineer. Where do we get this idea? What we're viewing. But you also have to understand these businesses, they're not foolish. They have a whole team that, that works on how we view them, how we look at them. And so, in a sense, we're marketed to, which we are. And it gets even more intense because they go by age. Okay, this is what children like to see. This is what adults, this is what teenagers, and on and on and on. And then, you know, they sell the product or try to put it in front of you um, so you can buy it. And so we have many things to view. And like I said, with this technologically advanced age, oh, we could view it just like that. I can go on the internet. I can look up just about anything I want to. I can find any information I want, really, if I got Wi-Fi connection or if I'm blessed to have uh, unlimited data, I could just boop. Type it up right now. Here we go. I can get a video. I can get a how-to. I can get a, uh, like a design. I can get a picture. I can get an image. All kinds of stuff just like that. But God says, that's not how you live. You don't live by what you view or what you see in the natural eye. You live by my word, what I have said, because what I say is going to happen. It is going to come to pass. Or we can better say it, we live by interacting with the word of God and making a decision to follow the word of God, not by what we view or what strikes the eye. And so now we're going to learn a little bit more of what is this word, this word of God. Uh, in John chapter 1, we learn that God is the word and that Jesus is the word. God and the word, they are one, just like Jesus and God are one. They're the same. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, this is how God decided to write it. He says, in the beginning, in the very beginning. There, you may remember where it says in the beginning. That's Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was God. So we could say word equals God, or we could reverse it. God equals word. And so the Bible you have, it's not just a book. That's literally God's voice. On a, on a written down. It's God's word. It's his voice. It's his words to us. And then we go to John chapter 1 and verse 14. And then we learn a little bit more about this word. And the word was made flesh. Now hold on here. Word was made flesh. So this voice, this word was made flesh. Okay. And it dwelt among us. Okay. So it had to live. Had to exist somehow. 
And it says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So he must have been born of the Father, the only one born of the Father, full of grace and truth. And as you continue to read your Bible, you understand that there's no one that fits that definition except Jesus Christ himself. There is no one else that fits that definition. And I could have found so many verses in New Testament. There's one that's pretty straightforward. God said it. Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen, if you see me, you see the Father. So if you see me, this physical man, then you've seen God Almighty in the heavens. Why? Because God's spirit was in a man and lived in a man. The word dwelt among us. It was made flesh, and he lived and breathed, you know, lived among us. And so as you read, that's Jesus himself. And so I was sort of uh, questioning what faith was. I'm like, God, what is faith? There's all these theological definitions that are so fancy, I can't even really comprehend it. Or there's all these definitions of faith. You know, got Webster's Dictionary. What really is faith? It's got to be simple. It's got to be pretty straightforward. And this is what the Lord said. Faith in me is simply agreeing with me. If you agree with me, you believe what I say. And that's faith. You agree with my words. So faith is agreeing with God. For example, you agree with that chair that, that you're going to sit down nice. It's not going to fall apart on you. But if you sit on a chair and it starts creaking, you don't agree with that chair too much, and you get up and, mm, I'm not going to break that chair and fall over. It's very comical, but this, faith is that simple. It's agreeing with God. The problem is this world doesn't agree with God. This world doesn't want God. Some people are truly do. Some people are confused. Some people have no clue what's going on on the earth. But it's simple. It's just agreeing with God. But we are here today because hopefully we agree with God. We agree with what he has said. We agree with his word. And so faith in God is agreeing with what God has said. That's what faith is. You agree what God has said. You, you believe that that is true, that that is truth. And so faith in God is agreeing and following or keeping what God has said, keeping God's word. So you have faith in God's word if you actually follow God's word and you keep God's word. You have faith that God is a savior if you follow what he says to, to receive that savior, to accept that savior, to accept his sacrifice, which you find in Acts 2.38, you repent, you turn from everything that you've done before previously, and you, so, you go focus solely to him and him only. And he says, hey, you got to get baptized. You've got to get washed of all that stuff you used to do. And now my spirit is going to live inside of you like I was inside of this flesh as the word made flesh. The word has to be in you as well. You know, then you continue to go on and live a holy life, which is basically continuing to follow God's word. So I could probably look at how you act or what your stuff in your house of what you have faith in or what you don't have faith in. Some people have faith, you know, that if you drink some apple cider vinegar, oh, it's going to cure all this kind of stuff. Or some people have faith that you're sick, you better get some lemon water and some hot tea. And these are things we agree with because we believe that they're going to work. We, we agree with the result that's going to happen if we follow those things. But God is saying, that's not how you, you walk. You don't walk by what you see. You walk by my word. That's how you live. Agree with my word and then follow it step by step by step. And I could talk about how the, the world currently now, it just wants it fast and wants it now. People say that microwave society don't want to wait, don't want to be patient, this and that. So 
One example is, okay, you buy some furniture, you got to put it together. We need the instructions? Oh, we don't need that. Toss the instructions. It's the easy. I got some screws and a hammer. I'll just put it together. And you build the thing, and maybe it's good. Maybe it's a little lean to the side or, you know, something goes wrong. God is saying, do you want to live your life that way? You can if you want, but I have a step-by-step instruction that's proven that is going to work, that's never going to pass away, that's going to last forever. And it only says good things for you if you follow it. Or you can, you know, toss the instructions to the side and try to build it yourself. And so uh, so now we're going to go to the Old Testament and see some examples of men that had faith in God's eyes. And so first one we're going to look at is Noah. It says in Genesis uh, 6, 13 through 22, and God said to Noah, God's voice, God's word. We're supposed to live by God's word, not what we see. This is what God said. The end of all flesh is coming before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make it in the ark and pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which you should make of it. So this is how you should build this ark, Noah. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh. Wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark. Thou shalt come into the ark, uh, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee, basically his family. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, and of cattle, he's going through different kinds of creatures, and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So Noah believed God when he said there will be a flood on the earth. And he made a decision to follow God's word. Noah could have decided, I'm not building the ark. God told him to build an ark. But he didn't just say that, just build an ark wherever you want to build it, Noah. He said, no, no, you got to build it according to my design that I'm going to show you. I have a specific design how you need to build that ark, Noah. Here's the thing you got to understand. It never rained like that on the earth ever before. Ever. It never rained like that. There was never a flood that consumed the whole earth before, before that time. Never. It was something that never happened. So I could see with my physical eye, like I was saying, and I can decide that's not going to happen, God. This has never happened ever in the history of life on this earth. How is there going to be a flood that goes on the earth? You got your mind? It's never happened. It's not going to happen. Again, we don't walk by what we see. We walk by what God has said. And God said there's going to be a flood. And God said you need to build the ark. And God said you need to build it this way. That's life. That's how we live. So Noah was faithful because he decided to follow what God said. And so he believed what God said was true. It wasn't a lie. He believed that it was going to happen. And he decided to follow him. 
And we read in Hebrews 11 and verse 7 uh, a little bit more about Noah and faith. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, never happened before, he was moved with fear, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So he heard the word of God and he believed. He believed in the word of God. So question, these are going to be rhetorical, you don't have to answer it. Has God been speaking to you? What do you do when you hear the voice of God? Do you believe what he says? Do you believe his words are true? Do you believe that they are truth itself? And then we'll go to Hebrews 11, verse 6, just one verse down. And this gives a very uh, easy and simple explanation why faith is so important in our relationship with God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. If you don't have that interaction with God's word and make a decision to follow God's word and actually do it, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You have to believe that God is even God, that he even exists, that there's a creator, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So without believing in God and agreeing with God, it's impossible to please God. That might be why a young child that disobeys their parents, oh, it's a great weight on the parent. This child never listens. They never follow instructions. They don't clean their room. They don't do this. They don't do that. Like, oh, it's so terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Because they're not agreeing with you. They're not following you. They don't believe what you're saying. They believe they can get away with it. They believe they could do what they want. And that's what they're doing. That's what they're following. So they have to change their belief. And then it'll be better. So God has to speak. And we have to follow. But, you know, this world likes to say, oh, just be you. Just be who you want to be. You, you could do anything you want. It could be anything you want to be. You could, but your eternal place where you're going to end up is might not be where you want to be or where you should be. And so uh, let's look at another man that believed in God. And here we're going to learn about Abram. This is before Abram became Abraham. Again, it's a little lengthy, but this is uh, very important because it has New Testament application as well, not just Old Testament. And that's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. And it says, now the Lord said unto Abram, again, this is God's word. This is God's voice. We don't live by what we see. We live by what we hear from God, and we decide to believe that and follow that. This is what God said. He said, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Now we got to stop there so you can get some content. He said, leave your family, leave your heritage, and get up from where you are and go into a far land you've never been to, never experienced, don't know anything about. And I'd be by sort of Harvard. Someone was like, what? You want me to get up and leave? Oh, no, I can't. I have my family here, you know. I got this here. We don't live by what we see or how we think things should be. We live by what God has said. So God said, Abraham, you got to get up and go. And then he said this. He didn't just tell him to leave. He gave him a promise. He gave him uh, some explanation. He said, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. And in thee shall all the families of the entire earth be blessed. So what did Abraham do? He heard the word of God. He believed that it was God's word and it was true. And he decided to follow it. 
And then he did follow it. So Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. Then we read a few verses down in verses 7 and 8. And the Lord appeared unto Abram. Again, God's voice comes again. He speaks to him again. And said, unto, thee, unto thy seed will I give this land. Now you got to understand that context again. He's never been here. He left his family. He left all his relatives. He's left everybody. He's left his hometown. He's left his home state, his home country. God says, I'm going to bless you here. You're going to be blessed the whole earth. Your seed is going to be so great. You'll be a great nation. You're going to have a great name. And then he gets to the spot where God tells him, he says, this land you have is going to be yours. I know there might be people living in this land. I know there might be a, a king or someone in charge. You're going to have this land. Again, you may think that's impossible. I'm like, how am I going to overthrow the government? Or how am I going to get all these people, you know, uh, to capture them? How? Don't worry about the how. What did God say? He said you're going to have the land. God backs up his word. You're going to have the land. What he says is going to happen. That's what you live by. You follow that. Don't follow how you think it's going to happen and try to figure it out. You're not going to figure it out because you don't know. God knows. And we'll only know if God speaks to us and lets us in on the plan. And that's what he was doing with Abram. He was letting him in on the plan. And then he says, all right, Abram, this is what you got to do in verse 7. And then he, he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared to him. And then he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent in verse 8, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Now I can stop here and just say this as a side note. When God speaks to you, you give God thanks. Give him praise. Give him praise. Don't just hear a voice from the God and just don't do anything with it and give him thanks and give him adoration. Don't just receive, receive, receive. Give God some thanks. Give him some praise. And then in verse uh, uh, chapter 17 of Genesis, in verse 1 through 16, and we're going to read 21 23, it gives a little bit more of what uh, God is speaking to Abraham. And it says, verse 1, and when Abram was 90 years old and 9, like I said, he was an old man when he had this promise. He was 99 years old. Like, woo. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant or my, my agreement between me and you. And I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face. And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name be called Abram anymore, but your name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you. And I will make you exceeding fruitful. And I will make nations of you. And kings are going to come out of your family. And I'm going to establish my covenant, my agreement between me and you and your seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant. That means forever and ever, everlasting. To be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein you were a stranger and all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Again, God is speaking. This is God's word. This is, how, this is how you are to live, Abraham. This is how you are to live. And God said uh, unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. Now this is my covenant. This is step by step what you need to do, Abraham. This is my covenant which uh, you shall keep between me and you 
in your seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, and every man child in your generations. He that is born in your house, or brought with money of a stranger, which is not of your seed. He that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with thy money, must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh is his foreskin is not circumcised. That soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, now God didn't just stop with Abraham. He kept going. He kept continuing. He said, as for your wife, as for Sarai, thou shalt not call her Sarai anymore, but Sarah shall be her name. And I'm going to bless her, and I'm going to give you a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. Now look what Abraham does. And Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abram's house. And what did he do? He circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God said unto him, as God told him to do. So Abraham believed that God told him was true, even though he had never been there before, and even though he had never experienced it before, and he did it that same day. That's faith. He agreed 100% with what God said. And he acted on it exactly as God said. That's faith. That's how we are to live. Now, another problem that we can kind of get into is if we read God's word, we're hearing God's voice, and then we decide how to follow God's voice. We say, hmm, I got to do this thing and follow this instructions. Uh, I doesn't sit well in my heart. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get up and humble myself, or I don't want to go and talk to somebody and try to get my offense fixed out. I don't want to do that. And then we decide, okay, I see your word, God, but I'm deciding not to follow that part. But I'll follow something else, you know, something a little easier, a little more comfortable, a little more nice, a little less conflict, you know, something more easier. And, you know, God talks about that in the New Testament. He says, hey, there's going to come a point in time where people don't even want to hear good preaching anymore. They don't want to hear God's word anymore. They want tickling in their ears. They want to hear something, something nice, something so wonderful, something joyful. Oh, you'll be blessed. You'll be great. Well, yeah, God will bless you. You'll be great. But he has some instructions you need to follow. So we got to be careful not to choose to follow God's word how we want to. It's not how it works. We have to follow it how he has laid it out. Amen. And so God, oh, Abraham believed that God was true and that what he said would happen, and he took actions to follow those steps. So we'll read about that in Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10. And it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went, he didn't know where he was going, but, but by faith. He sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He looked for God's word. He lived God's word. He had faith. He agreed with God's word. 
So he was looking for a city that God had built, that God had made, that God had orchestrated, not that man had made or man had designed or the world created. He wasn't looking by what he saw. He could have went by and said, whoo, Hartford, that's a nice big city. He could have went to Washington, D.C. Whoa, look at these great monuments. That's not what he looked for. He said, nope, that doesn't make the list. Nope, that doesn't make the list. Uh, Dubai, nope, that's not it. Ah, this is where God wants. This is the city that God had made. He was looking for God's city that Abraham, that God told Abraham he was going to have. So he was by faith. He was looking by faith. We walk by faith, not by what we see. We walk by what God has said, not how it looks on the outside. And so, and this is, this is a key thing. If you don't have this, you're not going to make it too far with God. Abraham trusted that God spoke the truth. If you don't believe God spoke, speaks the truth, then... There's not too much hope for you. You got to change that decision because God is truth. That's the only truth there is. So if you don't believe he's truth, then there's no hope for you until you change your mind. It's harsh, but it's that simple. If you don't believe God speaks the truth and what he says is truth, then you're just, you're just not going to move forward from there. It starts there. And so the question, do you believe that God speaks the truth? So that's good, but as we'll see, believing in God and agreeing with him is not enough. It's not enough. You have to start there, but it's not enough. We must take action. And I'll even say this. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, take action according to God's word. If you're just lazy with God's word, you know, you got the, you got the shield, you got the armor of God, you got the sword, but it's just on the shelf. It's real nice. Woo, you see that? Like people hang up their degrees. Look at that sword right there. Woo, God gave it to me. You know, when I got baptized, I see the Holy Ghost, but oh, look how beautiful that is. Come into my office. Let me show you this wonderful sword. Are you using the sword? Do you believe that it even is a sword? Do you believe it's powerful? Or is it just on display? You just have it because you have it. I was sort of talking with Alicia. We were just talking about just the earth and how things are. I'm like, you know how crazy this world is? We got these things called trinkets. These little, you know, little things that decorate your house. I'm like, I, th- I was thinking, my, what does God think about that? That's so meaningless, that's so pointless, but people go and spend money on it. All they search hard and wide. It's a little trinket. That's not going to have any eternal value. That's not going to help you with anything. What's the purpose of that? It's a whole industry making all this money off a meaningless little, th- little object. And so it, it's funny and silly, but we have to believe that God speaks the truth. And so it's three simple steps. Number one, believe that what God says is true. Then, two, you make a decision to follow what God has said. And three, you do what God has spoken. If you want to learn about having success, you know, the this earth loves to talk about success. Oh, come and listen to my teaching. You'll have success in business. Oh, you have a successful marriage. Oh, you have a success, successful this and that. Just go to the book of Joshua. That's the one time the word success is in the Bible. It's in Joshua. I'll just go there real quick as it just popped into my mind. This is the one verse in the Bible that has the word success. Because I just heard this over and over. I'm like, what's success really about? And God just lays it out. He tells it to Joshua. And this is what he says. So you got to understand, Moses is the man of God at that time. Then Moses dies. And then Joshua was uh, helping Moses as, you know, Moses and God had that strong relationship. Now Joshua's turn. Now Joshua's in charge. This is what God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. He says this, this book of the law, the word of God, God's voice, 
shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate, you will think upon it, you will ponder it day and night, that you may observe to do it. So you ponder on it to learn and understand, then that you may observe to go and actually do it. According to all that is written therein, then shall you make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That's the one time it says in the Bible. Is believing God's word, following God's word, or deciding to follow it and actually following it. You'll have good success. Oh, you'll be great. You'll be wonderful. And so as we read in James chapter 2 and verse 17, like I said, just agreeing with God's not enough. We have to take action. Why? Because this is what God's word said. It says, even so faith, if it doesn't have any works, doesn't have any action, is dead being alone. It's lifeless. It's like a car with no drivers. It's just a it's taking up space. It's not bringing me anywhere. It's not helping me anywhere. The miles per gallon it can get is useless because it's not being used. It's not in action. It's just there. And so we have to have that action. We have to take action. So we must believe God and the words he speaks are true and then follow it, then live it and do what he speaks. And that's the whole kind of hard part of it is, is actually living it. For example, I could live or I can know that how to tie my shoes, but I never, I've never done it. I know exactly how to do it. I've watched, I've learned, I understand. This is what you do with the laces. This is why you do it. But I've never actually done it. I've never put it into action. And my shoes are just untied because just, I just don't decide to do it. I just don't decide to do it. And I could trip and fall, and I'm like, oh, I don't care. I'm, just, I'm not tying my shoes. I'm not going to follow that instruction. So it's not just ha- knowledge is not enough. And understanding, you have to apply and live it. Now, I can use this example, and then I'll kind of move on. So there, there's a teaching of God that if you get offended and someone offends you and you know there's an offense, you go to that person and you talk to them and you try to bring reconciliation. You try to bring that peace. So that's God's teaching. That's God's word. We don't live by sight. We don't live by our feeling. We don't live by emotion. We live by God's word. And so, but we do have feelings. We do have emotions, but we live by God's word. And so you get offended. Woo, I get offended. You understand what to do. I'm supposed to go to this person, supposed to talk to them. I'm supposed to try to make it right. So we're all supposed to love each other, supposed to have peace. There's not supposed to be division among us. I understand all that. But I'm so hurt, you know. Oh, it's just so painful, so tired. Oh, I'm just going to leave it alone. You're not living God's word. You can say you're living for God, but you're not living his word. Because that's not what his word says. His word says even though you're hurting and your pain and it's terrible, you go to that person and you talk to them. And you bring that reconciliation. So you can understand that, but you cannot do it. You cannot live it. God wants us to go from the understanding to living, to the action. We're going to talk about Jesus. That's all that Jesus did. He lived God's word. He was God's word, but he lived it. He lived it in every situation. He didn't say, oh, because of my background and my history, I can't follow God's word. Well, you can do that if you want. I don't know if you're going to make it. That's, That's a terrible decision. Everyone can make it. It says every tongue, every country is going to be up there in heaven. There's no, there's no difference. God's not respecting a person. Your background doesn't matter. Your heritage doesn't matter. What your parent did or didn't do doesn't matter. It's are you going to follow God's word? Do you believe it's true? Are you going to follow it and are you going to act on it? That's all that's going to matter. And so, like I said, we try to use what we experience between mankind and try to use that to explain God or define God. It doesn't work that way. God is love. God is peace. Are people love? You, you go all around your head. Definitely not. People do some nasty things, some terrible things, even on purpose, sometimes by accident. 
But God is love. He is always there. He is looking out for us. So he's not like a human. So we can't try to think of God like a human. It's, n- it's not how he operates. And so as we go in Matthew uh, chapter 7 and verse 24 through 27, now we get to Jesus. We get to the word made in flesh that we talked about, God himself. And he starts teaching his apostles, and this is what he says. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Now, you see, he had to add that and doeth and doeth them. He didn't say, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, oh, you're saved, you're wonderful. You got to hear, then you got to do. And then he says, or if you hear, you believe, you agree, and then you actually do it, I'll liken unto you like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat up that house, and it didn't fall, because it was founded on a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, hears the voice of God, hears the word of God, and doesn't do them, shall liken unto a foolish man which built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat up that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So what are you building your house on? What are you building your life on? What information are you using to live on this earth? You don't want to build your house or your life on sand, as we just learned. It's not wise to build, uh, to build your home or your life on lies. Don't build your life on lies people have told you. You don't matter. You're not important. You are nothing. You can't accomplish anything. Nobody cares about you. But build your life on truth, on God and what he has said. And he says you matter. Amen. All there's more, I'm just waiting for applause. Amen. Glory to God. He says you matter. He says you are very important. You are valuable and precious to me. You are, and you can overcome what comes your way. You're more than a conqueror. You are loved. I love you. I care about you. I can save you from death, from hell, from distress. I can heal you. I can make you whole and complete. I am here to help you. I will never leave you. I would never abandon you or forsake you. I am for you. I am by your side. Now you see the difference between having faith and not having faith? That's what God's word is saying. That's how God wants us to live. He wants us to live in that all the day long, every day, every moment. Now, you can see as I'm just saying those things, how God is beginning to minister to people, how God's presence is beginning to sweep over us. That's what he wants for us. And so it's not over. Anybody here made a mistake? I can probably lift up all my limbs. I made many mistakes. God's still here to lift you up if you made a mistake. That's all right. Is this, are you going to decide to get up or not? Do you believe that he can forgive you? He can. He died to forgive us. I'm pretty sure his blood still forgives. It still covers, uh, you know, it still washes us. And so it's not over. And so we have to be careful how we build our life on this earth, how we live. We follow what people are saying. And here's the thing. Sometimes it's, it's sort of hard to deal with, especially if your parents say something negatively about you or your own family members. Uh, stuff like that's kind of hard to deal with. But again, God doesn't say, okay, because your family says negative things about you, you can cop out and just coast your way. You know, you don't have to. No. He still says, come to me. He says, no, I still love you. They may not, but I do. They may not care, but I care. They may not want to help you, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to lift you up. 
but are you going to come to me? I just need you to come over here so I can get close enough to lift you up and help you out. And so uh, we'll read about another man, and we're almost coming to a close here, to read about Paul. He's another man that walked by faith and not by sight. So Paul, he built his life on God and God's word and the truth that God speaks and is. He talks about God's love in Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. And this is what Paul said about God's love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And this is what he says about all that. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or even life or angels or principalities or powers or things present, current right now or things that come in the future, not even height or depth or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, which is that word made flesh. He said, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that we can go through that can separate us from the love of God. If we decide that he is truth, what he says is true, and we decide to follow him, and we take action. Now, here's another little problem. When you're hurt, has anyone ever been physically hurt before? You broke a bone, got a cut? It hurts. Your body doesn't operate at 100%. So it's a little harder to move. Sometimes it's hard to take a shower. Once that water gets in there, like, woo, starts stinging. It's harder. Before I broke my collarbone, I couldn't move this arm. You know how hard it is to cook with one hand? You're trying to, trying to do everything with that one hand. I was trying to move the covers. I was trying to do everything. It was harder. But I still could do it. I still had the ability to do it. And so when it hurts, it's painful. It's, it makes it harder, but we still can go to God. We still can get healed. We still can be made whole. He still cares for us. It's, it's, it takes a little more effort, but he's still there. He didn't change. He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I never change. So it may take a little more effort, a little more oomph, as they say, but that's perfectly fine. If that's what it takes, so be it. And then we say in Romans 8.31, this is a great verse here. It says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us. Who could be against us? Now, here's the problem. We don't, we don't always believe God's for us sometimes. We don't always believe that. We don't always agree of God that he's for us sometimes, especially when we make a mistake. We think God left us. He, 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 he abandoned us, you know. You made a mistake. Woo, you're by yourself. You better go over there. That's how we think. We try to deal with it by ourselves. Oh, I messed up. Why I do that? We beat ourselves. We try to figure out how it could have changed differently. God's saying, I'm right here to forgive you. Just come over here. It doesn't matter. Just believe that I can still heal you. Believe that I'm still alive, that I'm still a savior. Believe that I still can work in your life. Doesn't matter if you made a mistake. I mean, Paul made a bunch of mistakes. He was killing Christians. He was killing the body of Christ. That's pretty bad. But God was still reaching for Saul, for Saul at that time, and his name got changed to Paul. God wants us all to be saved and have love and have peace and have a great life on this earth. But we have to decide that that is true. And now we're going to follow it and then actually follow it. So we can get through anything and everything if we believe, we agree with God, and the words that he speaks are true, and we live the words that he speaks continually. Now, here's another problem. 
is that there is an adversary out there trying to hinder us and stop us and to trip us up. And we do kind of get ourselves into trouble sometimes. We just make a bad decision, and it was just on our own, you know, accord. Or there are outside environmental things that happen that kind of push us into a certain situation, whether it be a job, you know, management makes a decision, and now it's all this pressure on you or whatever, or even just the government in general here in this country or, you know, anywhere that goes on. Um, this, very, uh, this, this world is very ungodly. They don't want to hear about God. So they're pushing their words. They're pushing their view on everybody just about making it harder. But there is still hope. There is still a way out. We have to believe in God. And there's no darkness in him. There's no lie in him. God can never lie. Why? Because there's no sin in God. He's 100% pure. He can never lie. He can never lie. People, oh, yeah, they'll lie. For sure, some more than others, but God will never lie. He does not lie, and there's no sin in him. And so we need to agree with his words that they are true, and we need to love God. And as we're singing, oh, you know, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Now, that's great. That's wonderful. You agree that you want to love with Jesus. Now are you taking the action? Because God said, if you love me, this is how I know you'll love me. You won't just talk about it. You won't just send me a postcard in the mail. You won't just shout my name on Sunday morning, and you will keep my commandments. You will agree with my word, and you'll live my word. You love me if you do that. And then I know that you truly love me. And so as we can all stand, coming to a close here, Man, I hope this wasn't just speaking, that someone is connecting with God. Things are being put into your mind and heart. God wants the best for us, but we're not going to get it by not making a decision. We have to make a decision and follow through. And he's here to help us every step of the way. But that's what we have to do. And so you don't have to stay down in the dumps or in the doldrums, as they say, feeling all bad about yourself. There's nobody there for me. Listening to the wrong voice. God's always there for you. God will never leave you or forsake you. Oh, no one cares about you. Hey, I died for you on the cross. Uh, hello, I love you. Oh, no one's there to help me. Say, hey, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to give you everything. So we don't live by those other false voices. We live by the voice of God. And so is there anyone here today that wants to change your decision about God? Is there anyone here that wants to reaffirm your decision to believe God and to believe what he says? Will you build your life on God today if you haven't already? Will you rearrange your foundation to truth and that is your foundation? So if we can come to the front, if you would like, let's respond to God right now. Let's all just begin to pray and talk of God. You don't got to be ashamed. We're all human beings here. We're all sinners saved by grace. Nobody's here above anybody. So you don't have to think about what this person's going to say or what this family's going to say or what this minister might say. That doesn't matter. We're all here to connect with God. So like I said, this front area is open if you want to come forward and speak with God. Don't be ashamed about coming forward. Don't worry about people who are saved. Don't worry about your past, what things may have happened or not happened. God's here to help us all through all of that. And so let's just connect with God today. If you don't want to come to the front, you can pray in your seat, but don't be ashamed. Let's just pray with God. That's the whole purpose of why we're here. So let's all pray together and connect with God that he would help us to believe his word more or believe it first if we haven't, and then to follow through and following his word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, oh God. I thank you, God, that your word is simple, that everyone can understand. Even a young child can understand and agree with you and believe you, oh God, and be born of the water and of the spirit. 
I ask God you help every soul in this room, Lord, to connect with you, O oh Lord, that they would change decisions if they need to, that they would be uh, reaffirmed decisions if that's what they are, that's what they need to do as they are following you, O oh God. I pray you help us, Lord, to believe in you, O oh God, that there's people on this earth that agree with you, God, that there's people on the earth that trust you, Lord, that have faith in you, Lord Jesus, that believe your word is true and it's all powerful, that you are God, O oh Lord. I pray, God, you help souls that don't want to come forward, oh, Lord. They may feel a little uncomfortable, oh, God. You're not limited to just the front area. You're all over this world, oh, Lord, as you're omniscient. You're everywhere. You're present all over the place, God. So I pray you would minister to them, Lord, that you would move on them, oh, God, with your presence, oh, Lord. That peace will sweep over their heart and their mind, oh, God. They know they're not alone. They know they're not in this battle by themselves. That they know there's help for them if they so choose to have it. That they know, oh, God, that you will always be there for them. You'll never forsake them, oh God, that you would help them to reach to you, Lord. You help them to walk, oh God, towards you, Lord Jesus, so they can receive that help. So they can receive that help, almighty God, that blessing, that peace, that joy. If, even if they need salvation, oh God, they can receive that, oh Lord, as you're here today to deliver, to save, to move in our lives, oh God, to help us to be ready for your return as you're coming very soon, oh God, as we see in your word things are unfolding, oh God. I just pray, Lord, that your presence will be here in a mighty way as it already is. You finished the good work that you started here this morning, oh God. It even it begin to work throughout the week, oh Lord, that Monday morning, oh Lord, your spirit will move upon us to help us. That Tuesday, your spirit will be there to help us. And Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, on and on and on, every week, every month, every year, oh God. Help us, Lord, to reach you, oh God, even if we're in pain. If we've got a wounded spirit, Lord, or if we got pain in our emotions in our mind, God, it takes a little more effort to push through the pain to reach you, God. I pray you would give strength to souls that are in that condition, God, that they be able to lift up their hand, they be able to reach out to you, oh God, that their body be strengthened, Lord, to reach out to you, oh Lord, and you're there, arms wide open, ready to help them, oh God, ready to heal them, ready to deliver them, oh Lord. Oh, we thank you, Almighty God. We give you praise, Lord, because you're righteous, oh, Lord, because you won't leave us alone and forsake us, God. You love us, and you act on your love, oh, God. Holy are you, Lord. Thank you for your word that it saves us. It helps us. It's life. And you came to give us life more abundantly. Thank you, God, for your will and your plan for our lives, oh, God. Just help us to align with you, Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's continue to pray. You can continue to pray in the front or in your seats. Let's continue to seek God.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. How, let's, let's give a hand to the Lord. Let's give a, a huge hand to the Lord because He deserves it. He's, he is, he deserves our prayers. Our Lord deserves our prayers. Amen. Glory to Dios. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the word, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to Dios. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 We hear, we hear the word of God. It's up to us to take action to the word of God. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you for everybody for being here. And uh, to the Spanish people, I, I los invito a esta tarde a nuestro servicio de las 3 de la tarde. Y también los invito al servicio especial a nuestra conferencia estatal que se llevará a cabo el próximo sábado a las 6 de la tarde. Amén. Los invito. Va a ser muy grande, muy maravilloso. Y espero que nos acompañen, nos acompañen en este, en este evento muy especial, especialmente para nosotros en la iglesia.